for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Come on. Goody, goody. Right, it's a huge subject, um, authority, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to be talking about the spiritual authority of the believer, although that's a talk in its own right, but uh, I just want to talk about authority in itself. Um, get me notes out. It was great to hear Bob speak last week regarding parenting and how we um, exercise godliness in bringing up children um, as we should do. All right, an atheist was walking through the woods. What majestic trees, what beautiful rivers, the sound of the birds, he said to himself. As he was walking alongside the river, he heard a rustling of bushes behind him. And he turned and looked and saw a seven-foot grizzly bear coming down to him. And running as fast as he could up the path, he looked over his shoulder and he saw the bear was closing in on him. And he tripped and he fell down. And uh, in that instant, the, the right paw of the bear grabbed his shoulders. And the atheist cried out, Oh my God! Time stopped. The bear froze. The forest was silent. And as a bright light shone down upon the man, a voice came from the sky saying, You deny my existence for all these years. Teach others that I don't exist. And even credit creation as a cosmic accident. Do you now expect me to help you out of this predicament? Am I about to count you as a believer? The atheist looked directly into the light and replied, it would be hypocritical of me to ask of you to treat me now as a Christian, but perhaps you can make the bearer Christian instead. (laughs) Very well, said the voice. The brilliant light faded. The sound of the forest came back to life. The bear brought his paws together and said, Lord, for what I'm about to receive... (laughs) Proverbs 28, verse 15 and 16 says this. You don't need to read, um, look to it. It says this. Like a roaring lion or a charging bear is a wicked ruler over poor people. A ruler who lacks understanding is a cruel oppressor, but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. Now, I don't know what sort of books you take on holiday, but I like history books. And I've taken with me in October, I'm nearly done, Simon Seabag, Montefiore, on Titans of History. It's an absolute classic book. And it, it's two or three pages for each person. And I, I like that because that's my reading for the day, two or three pages. But it's an absolute crack. If you want an overview of the great historical figures, good and bad, I really do recommend that. It's a, a fab read right from Genghis Khan right through to Karl Marx. And, and Jesus is even included. Isn't that good? But one of, the, one of the shocks and discoveries I made was um, a king, um, a Belgian king called Leopold II of Belgium. I, in my ignorance, I didn't know much about him. That's why these books are good, give you a, a bit of a snapshot. Now, King Leopold um, was king of the Belgians and is chiefly remembered for the founding of a brutal exploitation of the Congo Free, Free State. Those of you? No? Nod? Yeah? It was absolutely brutal. 
And on the 17th of December, 1865, um, that's when he succeeded his father on the throne. He remained on the throne until his death. And that's one of the mysteries. You'd think God would judge him quickly for, for his bad kingship. But he created the Congo Free State, the Belgium Congo Free State. And a private project was undertaken to extract rubber and ivory from the Congo region of Central Africa. Uh, which relied on forced labour of Africans and it resulted in the deaths of approximately 3 million Congolese. Hands chopped off, feet chopped off. It was, it's one of the most brutal things that's happened in the last 150 years. And I think there's still repercussions of that, even in Belgium. Because righteousness exalts a nation. And uh, he was a, a greedy, selfish ruler who misused, abused his, his, the responsibility of authority that had been given to him. Now, by comparison, and that's a great thing about these titans of history, you can find out about people in history that I never... I'm pretty ignorant, really, I guess. Um, but Joseph II, who's ever heard of Joseph II? Any... Oh, great, I feel... Okay, so I know more than you, right? Um, and he was the, Ro- um, he was the Roman, Holy Roman Empire, um, Emperor from 1765 to 1790. And he was the full first ruler of the, in the Austrian domains of the House of Lorraine. Have you heard of Lorraine? Right, okay. Uh, Joseph is probably history's most unselfish ruler. If anyone doesn't apply to the phrase absolute power corrupts absolutely, it was this man. Perfect no. But he truly wanted to use the authority that he'd been given as a royal ruler in exercising what was best for his people. He abolished slavery and serfdom. He reformed education. He, he, he reformed medical care and started hospitals. That's a good ruler at its best, isn't it? When you compare King Leopold um, II, perfect no, but one who uses authority well for the good of others. And all authority given is for the good of um, others. When Jesus was given authority, he said, all authority has been given to me. Why? Not so he could look good, so he could exercise his kingly rule for the benefit of others. And as many of you here today will have positions of authority in society, right from parents, right through to... I know we have some um, uh, policemen and and teachers in, in our congregation. That's a tremendous privilege when you're actually, you're seen as an authority figure. And uh, so this message is for you. But why bother with authority? That's a question, isn't it? The anarchists in the room shout, Amen! Let's do away with authority. We don't need it. It's awful anyway. But imagine the Antichrist, that's not Antichrist, the anarchist athletic football club, right, playing the Rebel Rovers. They'd be biting chunks out of each other. They would, wouldn't they? It would be a bloodbath. There'd be no referees. Kick him out. Don't need that. He's, he's, he's authoritarian. No fouls. You can just do what you want. No need for lines. In actual fact, let's get rid of the goalposts for a waste of time because I keep missing them anyway. I mean, you couldn't do football, could you, if you didn't have authority? I mean, what about Wimbledon? You know, John Mack... We don't... We miss John Rackenrow? We do miss him. Um, but... For the wrong reasons. Uh, <laughs> 
for the Tour de France. You know, I can't wait when it starts next week. I'm going to be there with my flicker. And we're going to, we're going to down the sea um, in, in, in um, France for the time trial. We're looking forward to that. If there wasn't authority and rules in it, yeah, little man in his red car and his Skoda waving his flag, it would be chaos. We need authority for life to work. Can we agree on that? Good. Okay, so we're not authoritarian, but to be an anarchist, it's just, when you think about it, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, God's kingdom isn't an um, a, 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 an unruly kingdom, there's order in God's kingdom. There is no anarchy there. Proverbs, Proverbs 29 says this, when the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. Yeah. It may be that in your office or wherever you're working, that people are rejoicing because you are in godly leadership right. in your place of work. Right. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. Oh, here he comes, or here she comes. But there's a wonderful promise in Proverbs, when the godly, that's a a bit of an indicator, being godly, when the godly in authority, people rejoice. Do people rejoice when you walk in to your office and place of work, the hospital, do your kids rejoice when they see dad coming down the garden path? Oh no, it's dad. Hide. <laughs> Back in the Old Testament days, or can I just say, let's hope FIFA, they don't, FIFA have done well, haven't they? In, in banning the, 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 the Nasher for a few weeks. Um, let's hope they sort out the Qatar World Cup, because that that's been ungodly, you see. It's not righteousness. Authority, you've got to be consistent with how you exercise authority. But back in the Old Testament days, before, um, when God's people, before they had consistent godly leadership, um, we, read, we read in Judges 25, 21 verse 25, I know this verse, um, it says, In those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Now I know that as a memory verse. The people did what they... They wanted to, what seemed right in their own eyes. And I'm thinking, I wonder what verse comes after this to see what happened. And I turned to the book of Judges, and nothing, it's the end. <laughs> it finishes there. I thought, how interesting that that's the very last verse in the book of Judges. And when we don't, when, we, when we're in an environment where everybody just does what they want to, there's no future for that. Yeah, whether it's a business or family, whatever, or relationships, where there's no order, if a school doesn't have order, there's no future for that school. Imagine you're in the army and all the soldiers take on that. Everyone, every soldier does what's right in his own eyes. You've seen the films, haven't you, you know, where um, the lieutenant gets shot and... Uh, um, and everybody, well, what shall we do? There's got to be order, otherwise anarchy, and the advance stops, you get defeated. So I hope I'm convincing you already that there is a need for authority. Whether it's Wimbledon, say, whatever sports are on, um, if, you don't have, if you don't have rules, you're not going to enjoy life, are you? That's what we get into. And good order, this is a key point for the today, 
And it, I wasn't going to go down this route, but I just felt um, the Holy Spirit, I really did feel the Holy Spirit highlight this to me, is that good authority flows, good authority flows out of a, a good culture. So if you want to, if you are tasked with an authoritative position in your, in your place of work or life, family life, Develop a good culture so that that authority can flow well. Does that make sense to you? Because if, if you don't bother about creating a good culture, a good environment, no matter how good you are in your authority and your decision-making, it won't work. You need a good culture for, for, for authority to flow and work well. That's why, whether it's, whether it's in friendships, dating, marriage, or the workplace, you need to have an agreed culture to working. Put parameters around it. For instance, in IT, um, some of the, who's, an Apple, who's an Apple fan in the house? Any Apple fans in the house? I know you are, Simon. Not too many. Come on, we've got to get going on this one. <laughs> There's a lot of pagans here. Right. <laughs> Apple, um, they are very good at setting a culture by their management. So, okay, management authority, but they're very good at setting a culture under this authority um, that they have there. For instance, they have the culture is this one of their sayings don't make people do things, make them better at doing things. It's worth buying an iPhone just for that, isn't it? Next, when you find something that works, keep doing it. <laughs> it's just a good culture. Whether it's in business, church, evangelism, if it works, do it. You know. Then the next thing, I think they nicked this from Gateway because we had it first. It says, we have a, a saying here, little, um, big things, big doors swing on little hinges. Yeah? They said, little things make a big difference. Isn't it the same? Little things make a big difference in your place of work. During the iPhone 4 launch, it says, one of the staff members said, they brought us food and good food. (laughs) I think that's good leadership, isn't it? You're creating a culture that's honouring, and so that helps with leadership function. In marriages, you see, successful marriages will work on when you define Identify, define, and adhere to a culture of honour. So you avoid dishonouring words like whatever. What can you do with whatever? You know, if you if your husband said to you whatever, you, you can't you can't go anywhere with whatever. Sir and I have agreed, and I know some of us here have agreed. We will we have agreed by bitter experience never to say you never do. We never, pre- we never prefix sentences with you never do or you always do. That is death. That is death. That is not breathing. That's not creating a culture where authority can flow graciously. So we, you can't just do authority. Well, I'm the head of the house, so this goes. Right? That's stupid. That's just one side of the coin. We've got to set a... Whatever responsibility we have, we have to set, we have responsibility, we have authority and responsibility to set the culture in which God, God-given authority has to flow. You got it? So, so important, but so, so simple. 
There's a verse, the, one of the first verses I learnt in the Bible was this, um, a nagging wife is like a dripping tap in my marriage. <laughs> now, I'm speaking hypothetically here. <laughs> and another verse hypothetically is this, better to live in the corner of the roof than to share a house with a nagging wife. That's Proverbs 25, 24. Right? It's there, it's biblical. And all scripture is, is given by God for reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. But I'll say this if he keeps going into his cave, ladies, it might be that his isolation is a lifestyle choice. Right? So don't nag him into his cave. And Sue and I agreed, in terms of setting a culture, we'd, I wish I could live married life again. It'd be even better. But um, about halfway through, our, our, and we've had a, you know, we thank God for our marriage, but um, half, midway through our life, we, I, I agree, we agreed that if there was a disagreement, I would, it would be up to my responsibility, up to my, my shoulders, to take the initiative to go and get it sorted. So if I felt Sue was in the wrong, I would be the one that would take the responsibility and go, darling, let's sort this out. Right? And even if I knew she was in the wrong, I'd do it. As if. As if. (laughs) I say, this is all hypothetical because we have the perfect marriage. (laughs) As Ikea proves. Well, since then, it's been perfect. We're on a roll since Ikea. (laughs) Now, I'm not, but sometimes, you see, men will not listen to their wife or to their boyfriends, uh, no, not to the boyfriends, to the girlfriends, yeah? We, we, you've got to listen. And if, if, if your partner's always nagging you, it may be you're not listening. Now, I'm not advocating nagging. I'm just saying that read the smoke signals. Read the smoke signals. In the office, read the smoke signals. In the home, read the smoke signals. If you're parenting children, read the smoke signals. God's given us eyes to hear and ears to, um, eyes to see and ears to hear. And so we, we have to learn how to respond well to authority. Yeah? When the traffic warden comes along, you just, you know, we just love traffic wardens, don't we? I thank God for traffic wardens. I spit blood, but I thank God for traffic wardens. But if I go to the traffic warden, and, um, and I've got to be careful here because God will test me on it. So <laughs> I know him on this one. But if, if I say, go and get a proper job, that's not going to be good. Because I'm sure he'd get his, felt, his highlighter and mark my number plate on his, on his book. But to go and honour authority and say, hey, it must be very difficult for you. Here's a Yorkie. And he'll say, you creep, but I'll have it anyway. <laughs> but I'm just saying that in, we honour those in authority, yeah? And, and that goes well with us. Jesus, and this is what, another key point that's I'm in my study on this one, is that Jesus is basically saying, in the context of how you respond to authority and give authority, he said, what you dish out to others, it will come back and be dished out to you. That's what it says. That's what he says. It's like a boomerang principle. What you give out, you get back. The problem is, often you don't get it back straight away. 
because a boomerang, you know, you throw your boomerang out and you get on the and bang, hits you in the back. And it may be a year before you get it back. Now, that can work in your favour as well as against you. Because if you respect authority, what Jesus is saying, because it's a supernatural thing, authority, supernatural, it will come back and bless you or bite you. So let us learn. If you want to live smart, doing life well, honour those in authority over you. And tomorrow morning, you'll be encountering different people in authority throughout your day. Learn to understand. You've got to understand the ebbs and flow. One moment, you're in authority. You move into another situation, and you're under authority. And so we have to watch that. So I lead the team at Gateway, and so I'm a man over authority. I have authority, so I have authority over guys. Then I've got a pulled a muscle in my leg, um, sliding on my polytunnel, and uh, we thank God for all the chiropractors who serve in the church, Simon and, um, and Kenny. She serves, uh, um, she gives some of their time to be a, a physiotherapist, and we've got a physiotherapist at the healing centre room, and, and uh, Kenny was seeing somebody else. I said, Kenny, can you just give me some advice on this? Well, it's a bit of a delicate area, so I, I just asked for advice. And, uh, <laughs> and she said, well, you, you need to stretch. And I thought, I, I, I'm a gym instructor, I know how to stretch. And I said, she said, show me. And I, I, showed, I showed, she said, no, not like that. You're not doing it right. And I thought, well, I fed, you know, it, my hackles raised up. But I'm thinking, hold on, I'm under her authority now because she's the expert. So I had to say, I'm sorry, Le- um, so, not sorry, Le- sorry, Kenny, I'll, I'll, I'll do as I'm told. And she said, you've got to bend your knees, you know, keep your knees straight. And so that's what I'm doing. She said, also, you've got to get a cushion because um, your hamstring's been attached to your pelvis bone, whatever, pelvis, not pelvis, 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 pelvic bone. She said, you've got to buy a cushion and cut a hole out in it and sit on it. So... I've got a piece of sponge from the furniture project they've thrown out and I've cut a hole in it. I'm sitting there and, and I feel an, a right twerp. Sue says, you look like you're on a commode. <laughs> but I'm going to be obedient because I'm under authority, you see. I'm determined to get it better. So you are causing a lot of fun in our family, Kenny. So I'm taking it with me now. It's going to be so embarrassing when I come to work on Monday, Tuesday because these guys aren't going to give me any slack. But so one moment we're giving authority and the next moment we're under authority. So you've got this ebb and flow, ebb and flow all the time. You've got one hat on, one hat off. So we've, uh, the danger is we move from one area of authority where we're in over authority and move into an area where we're under authority. If we don't understand that, it will cause tensions, yeah. won't it? Yeah? When Sue um, was in, started inspecting hospitals and nursing homes when we moved to Ashford... Um, is that okay to hear about this? Yeah. Good. <laughs> she came in, she, when she first started, she came into the home and she said, well, um, well, your, your socks are messy, just tidy that and the books are in a mess and the CD, just put the CDs back. And I said, hold on a minute, I'm not being inspected now. Because <laughs> she was to learn a big thing, inspecting hospitals and coming back into the house and inspecting, the nursing was inspecting, you know, now she's under my authority, you see. So we said, how are we going to do this? So I, I bought her a ring. That's good. Always men, always buy your buy rings. They're good. I bought her a ring. I said, when you're outside, you can wear this ring. So thank you so much. I said, now when you come into the door, take it off, and that will remind you. <laughs> it worked. 
that, you know, so I can leave my CD cases everywhere and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we're still working it out. And if you're like us, you're still working it out. But Jesus knew how to work it out. He said, I can't do anything except the Father tells me to do it. Man, he, he knew. He knew. And there is abuse of authority, whether exercised in business, education, or the church. Yes, even the church, even church leaders can be abusive in their authority. And that's, that's certainly hurting to hear stories of that and God keep us from that in our own lives, in the eldership here, that we ever abuse the authority that God has given us. Any that hold positions of authority... If, if you forget this simple principle, you're in trouble. That respect is earned, not granted. Sorry, respect is, is, uh, has to be earned, not assumed. Yeah? You can't say, I want you to respect me. You've got to earn that. You've got to earn that right in authority. That's why you come back to setting the culture, whether it's in the classroom or wherever. And I'll go on to it in about how we set the culture. But if you, and it's a big red flag, if you, if you hear people say, do as I say, not do as I do. Because if you have that mentality, you're moving into authoritative abuse. If you're asking people to do something and you're not prepared to do it yourself or live by that principle, but you exercise an expectation on others to do that, that becomes abusive. Yeah? You agree with that? Now, this might be a small thing or a big thing, but it's there. And kids can spot it a mile off. They smell it, don't they? Now, what parents... Let's be honest. If we've, we've all said that, haven't we, at some point. Do as I do, not as I... No, do as I say, not as I do. And it's like the air... It's like it all... It, the forest goes silent at that moment and you're like, ah, put the toothpaste back in the tube because I shouldn't have said that. Our authority is compromised when we start living or saying things that, that we shouldn't say, yet exercise authority over people and expecting them to do it. That's why James, at the early church in Acts, book of Acts, he, he, he writes a pastoral letter to the churches and he said this, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that those who teach will be judged more strictly. God is saying here through James is an expectation on leaders to be living it out as well as preaching it. You know, it's an expectation on us. Let not many of you become teachers. In other words, God-imbued authority of preaching and teaching comes out of a life lived with integrity, not merely being able to link Bible verses together off of Google. It's about a life lived. In giving advice to a church leader um, in Ephesus, um, a young guy called Timothy, the Apostle Paul spells it out, what an elder's CV should be. A one-woman man. Is that a one-woman? Yeah, a one-woman man. You just have one wife. A one-woman man. A good report out there in the real world. Leads his kids well. Not legalistic. Not driven by money. Not drunken. Not violent. But rather gentle. Not a recent convert. You see, you've got to be doing it before you can minister it. Yeah. Yeah. When those of us 
who have authority over others are grisly, and we do a Louis Suarez, excuse me, but we bite, I mean, metaphorical, we do a Louis, um, and we use biting words. You know, words, Carl, you spoke so well on that. You know, words, words, biting words. It's kind of stupid and short-sighted because it does more damage than good and it will come back and bite you. So we have to be careful about setting the culture in, in, uh, as, a, as, a, as a, a soil. I nearly brought a bag of grow, um, is it, um, three in one. What's the name of that? Potting composting. That's good. You set the soil before you plant the plant. And when you think of it, most of us have, have authority over someone and we're under authority of someone. And abuse of authority stretches beyond human relationships. We joke about, and we joke about, you know, it's a, I don't make, uh, we, we, I'm not a cat fan, right? They know it in our church, so I'm not, it's out there, settled. But abuse of pets, we joke about kicking the cat, right? I've never kicked a cat, I want you to say, know that. But, we, but abuse of pets by humans is indicative that something is not right deep within. In Proverbs 12, yes, Proverbs 12, verse 10, it talks about how you should care for your animals. The Bible is relevant. It said this, The righteous care for the needs of their animals, but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. It's, it can be indicative of a person, how you care, how a person cares for their animals. Now, I, I emphasise the word there, we had a, we've got a rat problem in our garden at the moment. It just seems to, I'm having, um, I feel anointing to address the issue with my 2-2 slider rifle. Um, Sue texts me on Wednesday. She says, your lunch is ready. I thought, hallelujah, my lunch is ready. Five minutes later, a text comes through. I've just killed a rat. It's, it's there, it's word. <laughs> the word is there. It's that if you, so I'm not saying, you know, I, I don't particularly want to be nice to rats. You might disagree. I know Carl's got a pet rat, but that's, you know, he needs help there, but we'll pray. <laughs> You've got a pet snake. Who's got a pet rat? Somebody's got a pet rat in the church. Who? Who are we? Caroline. 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 Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> but that, you see, I'm not allowed to kill that because that's there. It's a pet. <laughs> but can I say, on seriously, hurting people hurt others. Keep in mind, hurting people often hurt other people as a result of their own pain. If somebody in authority is rude and inconsiderate, you can almost be certain that they have some unresolved issues inside. They have some major problems, anger, resentment, or some heartache they are trying to cope with or overcome. The last thing they need is for you to make matters worse by responding angrily. What's the Bible got to say about that in that situation? Well, Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. You can either put the fire out or pour petrol on it. Yeah. A gentle answer turns away wrath. So if you've got a boss who has been very aggressive to you, smart thing to do is to be a gentle response. Philippians 4, verse 5 to 7 says this, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. 
So practical steps for respecting authority. Number one, start reading about what God says in respect to authority. I do commend to you Romans chapter 13 in the New Testament. Fabulous, fabulous chapter by the Apostle Paul on how we handle and respond to authority. Secondly, find out just what God thinks and how much he places on your willingness and your attitude of handling authority. Think about it. Think about it. When you go, before you go to work or um, start family life in the morning, just think about how you're going to exercise your authority this day. Pray for those who are going to come, you're going to come into contact with who are in authority. That's, that's the third point. Pray for those in authority over you. And fourthly, set an example for people around you. Your kids, the best thing you can do for your kids is to show them you are under authority as well as giving authority. Yeah? especially when you're driving. Fifthly, understand and know ahead of time that you're not, going to, you're not going to like every decision. That's a given. You are going to find it hard when somebody over you in authority says something to you that they want you to do and you don't, it's going to rankle. It will rankle. Deal with it. Right? You can smile. But inside you're hurting. That's because we're human and we're fallen. And we don't like being told what to do, do we? Right? So learn, learn to accept authority. Learn to deal with that. Uh, wanting to say back. Learn to go and gossip. No, deal with it. You've got to learn that we're all under authority one way or another. There's no magic pill that can make you feel good about having to submit to authority. Anybody in the army knows that. You just have to do it. Uh, but No, do it. Do it. And good authority is a, is a blessing to um, us and our community, society. I was um, going down um, the A47 dual carriageway on my vehicle and um, really enjoying life. And I saw this flashing police car behind me. And the more he flashed and tried to catch up with me, I put my foot down even more until he overtook me and he stopped me. And he opened the car. He said, I want you to get into the car. He opened the boot and he put my three-wheeler tricycle in his boot. <laughs> I was just enjoying life. He said, um, uh, are you Graham? I said, yes. He said, well, there's a, there's a police search for you. Your mum and dad are worried sick about you. He said, you live five miles away from here. What are you doing cycling along a dual carriageway on your tricycle? <laughs> I just said, well, I like cycling. <laughs> or tricycling. And he took me back to my mum and dad. I remember the police car <laughs> pulling out my little red tricycle. I'd gone down these country lanes. I did a dual carriageway. And I was cycling into Leicester because I'd heard of Leicester. <laughs> that's where it comes from my love of lycra <laughs> now can I just say when, when we encounter authority there's a spiritual thing happening because God is a God of authority all authority the Father has given all authority now to the Son Yeah, it's a God thing God delegates those in authority over us whether it's in community in society and in the church 
And we have to hold authority very lightly in the church, very gently, because Jesus modelled how we should how we should exercise authority. In Mark chapter ten, just to conclude, um, some of you would say, "I'd love to have been with the Jesus in his dis- I would have loved to have been one of the disciples with Jesus. You wouldn't have done. Jesus would have embarrassed you. All your faults would have been shown up in the Gospels. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 35, they had a stinker. They played a stinker this day, James and John did. Then, verse 35, Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, We want you to do for us whatever we ask. What a prayer. What a prayer. And what, how did Jesus do? You plonkers? No, he was very gracious. Yeah, matter what he said. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. Right. So gentleness. There's a gentleness here, isn't there? Gentleness. They replied, "Let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand in your glory." Now he could have said, "Go away and play." But he said, "You don't know what you're asking." Jesus said, "Can you drink the cup that I drink?" Or be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with? Yes, we can. They answered. Jesus said to them, Yeah, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with. But to sit at my right hand or left is not for me to grant. Ooh. Even Jesus was demonstrating authority. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Jesus moved in authority because he was under authority. No, the kingdom of God is amongst you. And you can, we can, the, the danger with authority is you can do lip service to it. You think I'm under authority, but inside you're a grumbling mess of a person inside. You're grumbling. <laughs> you're muttering. That's not honouring authority. When the ten heard this, um, they began... They became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, bad authority, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. He's now speaking to future church leaders. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. We're all in this together. One moment we're under authority, one moment we're giving authority. In this church, um, our prayer is that we model godly authority. Do we always get it right? No, we don't. But we want you to tell us when we get it wrong. But our passion is to have that sort of authority in this church where we treat people with dignity and gentleness as servants. We're servants among you. We've been doing some research on on, on Gateway and we've got a growing number. At the two meetings now, we've got over 50 people who come along to church most weeks who aren't part of our community groups. It may be that you're one of those people and you're thinking, oh, I just like coming along and out. I'll come for the preaching and the good church biscuits. But I want to stay one step away. Can I just say, you're missing out. You're missing out.
be a part of it. One of the joys that we have, we've just done a vision and values course for joining the church, and, and somebody, m- most people say this is a safe place. This is a safe place. Um, okay. It may be today, God's ringing your bell. Maybe today, they're saying, hey, get involved in a community group. If you're not a part of another church, why don't you... I'm going to use the phrase, and I don't want you to misunderstand me, come under authority and be a part of a Christian body with Jesus at the head. It will do you good. Well, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to stay one step removed because I've been burnt before. Yeah, I understand that. Most of us have been burnt. But don't let that put you off because it is far more precious to be a part of the body where you're playing your full role under the headship of Jesus as through the leadership which serve you, whether it's the elders or the community group leaders, we're in this together because we want to set a culture where the kingdom of God, the authority of Jesus, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, take the gospel to the nations, can be can flow out of a culture that's very Christ-centred. Amen. Amen. Let's just leave it as it is to be quiet for a moment. I want to speak to you if you're attending Gateway for a number of weeks now. You like it, you love it, you come along because you like it, but you, you, there's that in your heart saying, ah, I don't want to commit. You know, God believes, I believe God's speaking to you now, actually. When this rich young ruler, um, Jesus, he came to Jesus and he said, I'll follow you. And Jesus, he, and Jesus looked at him and it says in, the, in Mark, he said, he looked at him, he loved him. <laughs> oh, I did, why did Mark put that in? He, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And he just said this one thing, one thing you lack. Sell all you have and give to the poor. And the man went away with a very heavy heart because he had great wealth. What's the one thing you lack? I think today, for some of you, I'm not saying this lightly, please, I hope you know me well enough by now. One thing you lack is to be committed to a local church. If you're a mature Christian, be committed. Come along and see us after and say, yeah, that's the one thing. Yeah, Lord, today you rang my bell. Because you come under authority so that you can exercise authority. Yeah. You see, we are the body of Christ, and Jesus is the head. The head is anointed. We get our anointing as believers if we are a part and holding on to the head and we're part of the body. The anointing oil flows down from the head through the body to us. Stop being an individualistic Christian who won't come under authority, who won't submit to authority, 
because it's not doing you any good. He puts the lonely in families. And you think you're being fruitful now, but I tell you what, when you submit to his authority, the King Jesus, and be a part of his church, because church is his idea, come on, let's be honest, you'll find a greater fruitfulness than you've ever known in your life. At work, brothers and sisters and friends, can you make your place of work a place where there is a a good culture of honouring, forgiving, generosity, kindness, non-judgmental? If you do that, the authority that you have in your company, your place of work will be enhanced and you'll be promoted. Because God raises up the lonely. But he resists the proud. This is real stuff. This helps us. This is why you get up in the morning to come to to church so God can help you in your real life out there. So, Father, I thank you for this morning. Um, We want to just now focus back, before we conclude, Lord, to worship you and honour you as one who has authority over us, Lord. And we say it's a good authority. It's a servant. You're a servant king. And we are so glad of that, Lord, that you're not a despot. Amen. Musicians, will you leave us in a final song of worship?